once you become a a cannabis consumer, you are a cannabis activist. There is some benefit that you're receiving and there is a lot of trauma that has gotten us to this point of legalization and you are now a voice and an active member, act accordingly and continue spreading that message. Like always, it's such a pleasure to be sharing the space with all of you. Jess is actually uh, stuck at work, stuck with something at work. So she's here with us in spirit. Um, but once again, bienvenidos. This is Wait Hold Up Podcast, a podcast where we talk to homegirls, experts, and others to help us live our most authentic lives. Um, shout out to everyone who's working. I mean, you know, Jess being at work right now, we know that there's so much going on. It's been such a very crazy year. Uh, we're, it's going to be a year since, uh, the pandemic started here in the U.S. And it's, you know, vital that a lot of us, a lot of you that are working still, that are on the grind, even from home, wherever you are, that you remember to take some time for yourself and disconnect and detox and detach from everything that's going on and everything around you that's causing you, you know, anxiety or heartache or whatever it is that you're feeling, being that your feelings are valid, it's super important. I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in the last few weeks, in the last year, in the last few um, months, um, for sure. So just a, a reminder for all of you. And we thank you if you're listening to the podcast, you know, at work in your spare time. We're super grateful for to all of you for being here with us every week. We drop a new conversation, a new episode every Thursday. And today we have a very special one because we're going to be joined by Jasmine Agia. She is um, an amazing, she's an expert really in the cannabis industry. Uh, and she focuses her emphasis with all that she's working on and all that she's worked more than than 10 years of experience in the industry. Um, she's all about, you know, regulation, advocacy, licensing, strategy, and social equity within the cannabis industry. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to learn with her. I, I, for me, it's there's so much to learn um, and so much to take in because I, I was coming from a place where I knew very little about the cannabis industry. I knew very little about CBD, about THC. Um, there were so many myths. There's so many misconceptions that I had that um, I'm sure a lot of you at home uh, deal with. And today we're going to try to break them down for you, learn more about the legalization of marijuana, learn how it's impacting communities of color, learn also about the criminal justice system. And, you know, we had this conversation with, with Jasmine a few weeks ago, but ironically, 
just in the last few days, the talks of legalizing marijuana in, in Mexico has grown. Um, and in terms of the country, they're all about legalizing marijuana, which will completely change uh, the industry and also what we see coming from Mexico. So, yeah, thank you once again for joining us. And uh, we send you so much love wherever you at, you're at. And let's get to it. Let's listen to today's episode. Welcome to the show. We're so happy that you're able to join us. Thank you, ladies. How are you? We're great. We're ready to talk about some weed today. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to get into the personal part of cannabis mm. because I know that we all have some questions and Yarel is ready for the ultimate education. I've been saying, uh, yeah, I am. I'm ready. <laughs> um, so yeah, Yadi, jump in. Like, What's the first question that you have about weed? Yeah, I don't even know where to start. And yeah, like, sorry that I brought it up earlier because I was like, wait, what's what's happening? What are where are we in this conversation? I don't know. I is this awful? This is embarrassing that I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, I know that you obviously have done the research, Jasmine. So, what do you tell someone? What do you? I mean, I, I'm just curious also to see what you how you talk to your parents kind of like the first time you brought this home, right? Like, I feel like I'm like your your mom right now. I'll be like, what is this, Miha? Tell me what's going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and yeah, like share with us. Um, listen, it's, it's about taking it slow in your comfort zone. You, um, if you are curious of trying any, any type of cannabis, um, first Google, how does it, affect my body when I consume it. There's multiple ways of consuming cannabis, whether it's smoking it through a vape, an edible, a topical, a, a um, patch, a bath bomb, um, bath salts. I mean, the list goes on, right? Um, so I always recommend that you do it in the comfort of your home and that you start very low. Um, when you when you smoke weed or cannabis, you get an immediate um, high. So that that's a great way to get started because you're not going to take. If you take one puff, you're going to feel that one puff. If you take ten puffs, you're going to feel that ten puffs. Right. When you take an edible, however, you, it takes time to process through your through your system, and it it hmm. is. It's processed through your um, liver and absorbed through your liver. So the, the effect is very different. And depending on what we all had for lunch, it's also going to interact with what's already in our stomach. And that can either increase or decrease the effect. And everyone mm. has a different experience when consuming um, an edible. I do strongly advise to stay at a very minimum, read the labels, read the, the, when you go into a regulated dispensary, everything's labeled. So you'll be able to know what kind of dose is in there. I've heard horror stories from multiple friends um, that, you know, have a, 
And these are heartbreaking stories because these uh, these people are patients that, for a condition, want to try cannabis as a, an alternative. And what happens mm-hmm. is that they start at a high dose and have a very difficult um, experience. And when when you're discussing this with, or having this type of experience with someone who has a medical condition that could possibly be treated with cannabis, you want to do this correctly. There are medical professionals that will give you a consult. Before there was a stigma of having a virtual um, consultation with a doctor, I think COVID normalize that, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it normalizes but before this is how cannabis consultants uh, consultations with the medical profession professional were done it was virtually so there are medical professionals there are different organizations that provide these services to patients that do require this type of um alternative medicine there's a um nutritional guideline that most medical professionals also provide to their patients because again your digestive system has a lot to do with it Mm. on top of that there's also dosing right right it's interesting because like you i feel like you go in and it's like many people especially now with the the dispensaries we have in la it's like you look at the pretty package but there's so much more to it than just the pretty package but there is one part of yada's question that i'm not going to let you get away with uh, away from which was how did you tell your parents you were going to start working in the cannabis industry Oh, and she okay. covers her face. <laughs> now I started. Let me Ah, that moment. So, uh, this was what twenty fourteen, and I was managing my full time job at um, at the financial institution. And my side hustle was cannabis consulting. And through that, I did a partnership with Telemundo where I would do weekly segments on something related to cannabis. And I did a segment on the the um, real estate advantages and investment opportunities within the cannabis industry. My, my mom's a a real estate broker and I've been her assistant since I was like 16 years old. So I'm Mm -hmm. very knowledgeable in the real estate arena. And so I did this segment and I mean, like I'm working a full-time job. I'm I'm full schedule. I didn't, I don't watch these things. I'm like on to the next one. And the next day we were heading out. It was like 4th of July weekend. We were going out to a lake. for the weekend and like she's blowing up my phone and I she calls my job and (laughs) this is the next day right she calls my job and I'm like super busy I'm like yes mom what's up and she's like you know I'm going to the store to go buy the stuff we need for camping like do you you need anything before I head out? And I was like, oh, you know what? I need, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, mom, I'm really busy. Like, is there anything else you need? And she's like, yes. And she starts in Spanish. Oh, you know that's serious. Yes. She's like, she's like, why were you on, on TV last night? And I was like, oh, shit. She knows, right? Like, why I was on TV last night, obviously. And I'm like, mom, did you see the segment? And she's like, 
I have not and I don't want to. And I'm like, okay, well, neither have I. Oh, when I get off of work, I'm like, I'll go, I'll come over to your house and we'll watch it together. And she's like, no, I'm going to be busy. So sure enough, after work, I'm like, I need to get right to my mom's house and like talk about this, right? And um, I showed her the segment and she was, you know, taken back from it. She's like, okay. Um, obviously you know what you're talking about she's like but why this like why why cannabis and i'm like mom like there's so much opportunity you know like i'm just feeding she's like no i don't agree with this like i think you can do great in other things i i, I don't like this and i was like okay you know like i'm, I'm going to to accept that and uh I, we'll be okay so through that it kind of got her curiosity going and mind you two weeks after that like i quit my full-time job and i go wow. into cannabis so at that point like she's freaking out like you have a stable job you have like a good income what are you doing what are you doing like, right yeah. yes and, and and they felt very uh guilty that for whatever reason they didn't they didn't do their job as parents to steer me into oh, wow. that direction, right? That that was their feeling. And right. if I would have, I, I was in, in my late 20s at this time. Yeah, late 20s. So it, it was a very different, different conversation with my parents. I'm an adult. I live on my own. I'm independent. I have a job. I was able to create this side business, which I was able to transition out of and go into full time. And at the end of the day, my parents are a fan of their daughter. They're uh, a fan of how oh, hardworking we are. Absolutely. And I knew, like, I know my family very well, and we work as a family. So I, I knew that was going to change in this in, in 2021. My family is part of my business. Oh, wow. Support That's me. amazing. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do this without my family. So I, yeah. I'm very blessed. And it took a lot of um, a lot of conversations and really listening on my on my part. Like, I just want to hear you out. What are your concerns? Let's talk about this. Yeah, this is this yeah. is what it, you know, it, it was. It was a blessing that my parents were open-minded and willing to listen to their daughter and understand that she's not out here doing things that, you know, are detrimental to anyone. Right, right. That mm -hmm. I, I am mm -hmm. encouraging people and that I am creating opportunity. It, it's it's awesome. That's, That's so beautiful. I, I love what you said too about like your, you know, your parents are your fans. So that, cause you know, usually we grow up being, you know, kind of our parents being heroes and, and whatnot. And then it kind of like turns around at some point in life. So that, that was really beautiful. And you touched upon something that I think a lot of us kind of first generation, second generation kids come from where um, our parents don't really know. Like, I mean, I'm going to tell you guys something This is really, really funny, but it was a few years ago. I think it was like one of the bills to legalize marijuana in California. And usually my parents, when they vote, I just tell them, okay, you know, A, B, C, this is how you vote, right? So my mom voted. And then, I don't know, a few months later, I was home from Florida. And then she's like, oh, you know, you, I don't know why why they passed that, like with the with the drugs and with the weed. And I'm like, what, lady, you voted for it. And she's like, no, I didn't. And I'm like, yeah, you did. I'm like, and it's on record because you voted for it in the circle. And she was kind of freaking out, right? She's like, how could you do that? And I'm like, well, you asked me to tell you what I would, I recommended. This is what I gave you. And it 
turned into a conversation with my brothers about what it meant, right? Like what she thought it was, all the all the stigma that comes with weed, with marijuana, all like like you mentioning the the drug war, and especially parents that come from other countries, them understanding like the dynamics of what the drug war has caused in their home countries and associating it to weed, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, just a, just a little story with like wanting you to I wanted wanted to ask you about that why do you think there's still so much stigma there's so much uh, so there's so many questions still regarding weed and cannabis it's it's generational it's not something we're going to magically vote away especially when we're voting with still detrimental uh effects to our community it's education i think um Mexico legalizing is going to have a great shift in how our communities view cannabis because automatically we create content in Spanish. Do you think that's going to happen soon though? Oh, it's already going. Mexico Mm. dropped their regulations a week ago. Um, It's, they legalized the medical use in 2017 and they legalized the adult used um in 2019 regulations haven't been published so it still hasn't gone into effect yet Mm -hmm. but it's way far along than the us for sure Mm. and content being created there constantly um it's definitely making its way to the us with our spanish-speaking um community Oh, wow. That, that, I think you're right. I think that Mexico will have a massive impact below the border and, you know, yeah. above the border for sure. Um, yeah. You know, for when it comes to like consumers, I think what people have seen a lot over the years is CBD and, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and then there's THC. And mm-hmm. for people who don't know, what's the difference between CBD and THC, like for our girl over here? <laughs> and then, um, but beyond that, I feel like I see CBD on everything, which currently, like for me, because I try to be as conscious and educated as a consumer as possible, makes me very sketchy. Like I find it all to be very sketchy. Like if I see it on Amazon, I'm not buying that. Like it just like, how is this in everything? So what's the difference yeah. between C- CBD and THC? Why is CBD legal and THC not legal? And how can you make sure that you're getting the a safe form of it? Um, it's marketing. It's the only, it's, it's, it's the marketing campaign. It's the safe. CBD has been the safe word. THC is the bad word. Um, it's really down to percentages of, of molecules. Each one is a molecule. You have, um, Yarel asked, what's the difference between, um, hemp and, and we- cannabis and marijuana earlier, right? So cannabis is the umbrella um, plant. That's, that's what it falls under. Marijuana is a made up word that came through um, the drug war that uh, was coined after the um, Mexican and Filipino immigrants that were working the fields in, in California back in 1932, right? Because they used to smoke cannabis to relieve their bodies after long days in the field, on the field. Mm-hmm. So that's where the word marijuana came. It's just been, it's a culture word. Then the word, the, the category hemp, what's um, 
categorized in in the US, it's the cannabis plant with less than 0.03% THC. That under federal guidelines means it's low enough to not get you high. The 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 thing that also needs to happen is journalism needs to take accountability and check those facts because we need to make sure that when mm. we are writing or writing a, a review on a product, we know what the contents of the product is and, and what are we trying to portray. Mm. Just you know, we, we were talking about how curious we were with this subject. Um, can you just take us before you um, before you talk about that, um, Jasmine? T take us a little bit about like your maybe like your first experience with weed and um, kind of like the industry um, now that you're a part of. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going back in time here. Um, <laughs> My first experience with weed was um, right after high school, and um, it was, you know, a, a very, I, I knew my friends were doing it. It was a, I knew there was relaxation behind it, um, and it was more of a recreational thing at that point for me uh, of trying to find something besides alcohol that I could enjoy while I'm out partying or while I'm out hanging out with friends. I want to say, I don't remember quite honestly my very first interaction, but I, I want to say once it started, it kind of kept on going, right? I was like, oh, this, this, this is kind of, I, I like how this feels. I like how it makes me relax. Um, being an entrepreneur at 18, 19 years old, like I've always had high stress. Um, day-to-day -day life so that I, I i definitely remember having that relief of anxiety i mm. i've never really been much of a drinker i i do drink like i do but I, it's not my preference and it isn't to this like i will always consume cannabis over having a a 12 pack of beer like that's okay. just my my prerogative yeah absolutely um but as, as an adult and as I continue to emerge into this industry, it's really identifying those benefits that help me, that help me be better, that, you know, continue to, to allow me to have a very productive day. It's like there, there's a stigma, right, that a, a cannabis consumer is a potato couch and it, that's not who I am. Like I work long hours and I hustle. I just need to be relaxed. And sometimes, especially, well, not sometimes, especially in the time of COVID, there's different anxieties that come, that have come over us, Absolutely. right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. having that as an outlet, I think um, is so important. And, and we have seen a lot more interaction from non-consumers prior to COVID into COVID. Got you. So, so, you know, you had, I think what is very normal for people was that they have like a teenage experience. Right. And for mm -hmm. you, it was a positive one for me. It was not positive. I was like paranoid in the backseat of someone's car. I could have sworn the cops were coming after me. I was like, mm -mm, this is not for me. <laughs> um, I, I've never you, had an experience with weed. So, you know, you know I've never like, had an experience at all. What does it feel like? What? Yeah, that's interesting. And so it's like, it runs the gambit here, right? You have a right. lot of like, mm -hmm 
Oh, and, and so for me, though, a lot of the engagement around cannabis, especially I'm originally from the East Coast, so like New York, New Jersey, and uh, I hear you in the sense of like, I think being in high school, yes, it was easier to get like weed versus like um, something from the liquor store because, you know, someone always had some type of bag on them. Um but now, <laughs> being in California, the idea that you can go into a store, and I remember when I first went in, I think I told, like, I don't know, my sister, my mom, and I was like, it's like 7-Eleven up in there. And I'm like, there's, like, chai tea, there's granola, there's flour, there's drops, there's, like, liter- there's gummy bears, there's literally everything, um, which is you know, I think is exciting to see for the industry, but there's also this dark side. And I think that's where you've gotten into, you know, your work. And so now I love to dip back into like, what does consultancy mean for you? And Mm -hmm. what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And also a big part of your consultancy and your work is social equity. And so what does that mean exactly in the cannabis space? Um, Great question. You know, I, I share this a lot. Once you become a a cannabis consumer, you are a cannabis activist. There is some benefit that you're receiving, and there is a lot of trauma that has gotten us to this point of legalization, and you are now a voice and an active member, act accordingly, and continue spreading that message. So I just, I've always felt like that. Um, in the consultant area, um, just like you would consult any other business, um, a podcast, a uh, water bottle a company, there's processes that need to happen, right? Which was very unusual in the cannabis industry because everyone coins the unregulated market as an unstructured market. So that, that's been my strength. I, I'm a strategist. I um, develop businesses. So I saw the opportunity to do what I was doing outside of the cannabis industry in the cannabis space, mainly because it passioned me. It, it was very interesting to me. Um, But through that, there was the activism side because there's uh, growing up in South Central, like I've lost friends to the drug war. I I know friends that are still in jail. Um, I I know homegirls that don't didn't grow up with the father or a mother because of some form of drug war. We have Latin America, like everything that had happened there. And now you have a a belief system that says, oh, now that it's legal only corporate companies can operate because we know what we're doing and you don't. And that was just unreal to me because I I come from business. I, I know that there's a corporate side, there's a, a, a small business side, there's still a lane. So that, that drove me and was very difficult in the beginning of my career because there wasn't a lot of people that looked like me that were in the industry for various reasons. Um, And the people that looked like me outside of the industry would judge me. And that was very difficult to, to go through, but I also have a very strong support system. Um, 
and my my advisory like like a personal advisory board that is my my hype woman and my hype man and and push me to continue going right like that's important no matter what you do so i i've been very blessed to to have this this ongoing support to allow me to continue thriving in the industry that's awesome wow. that's yeah that's great and i love that you said that about having like also like your hype friend and you know that's i was reading something the other day about how you have to have this circle of different people around you you know to like um to achieve to go on in life so yeah that's reminding me of that um jazzy um you know we talked you you mentioned colorado and i know there's like a lot that, that, that happened last year for the elections in different states in the country including colorado with the legalization of other drugs of course uh marijuana being one of them that we've talked about even in terms of like federal government legalizing it um and, and if we just talk about like the references to pop culture right popular culture and like this narrative that's been uh pushed upon from like music to shows to uh, movies um with california being kind of like a center place uh for uh weed for cannabis how much of this is true and how does it compare to a state like colorado it it you gotta compare apples to apples it when you're creating the state's economy, Colorado, the whole state of Colorado is LA, city of LA, Culver City, um, city of West Hollywood, right? Like that whole population fits in those three cities. Oh, so wow. it just does, it doesn't. Like when I discuss with, with my colleagues in the industry, the workload that we have in the city of LA alone, city of la processed over a thousand applications when prior to that in consult in the consulting world of cannabis like the top would process 40 applications a year wow so when you're talking Damn. about thousand in like the first round it we yeah. the, it, it's a lot of broken systems but we just were not prepared for this type of expansion and these are applications for people to run their own um, dispensaries or to like or cultivate? Different things, right? There's uh, the California licensing structure allows us for 12 different types of licenses from cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, uh, uh, retail shops, which are storefronts and delivery service, which are also um, available in California which are unique to California. So different different types, right? Um, and the city of LA just had a lot of work to do. There's a lot of interest. Um, the social equity program opened up a lot of doors um, to Angelinos, um, which is something that you mentioned earlier, the social equity part or the activism part. Um, I sit on the board of the Minority Cannabis Business Association, and this is a national trade association that represents minority businesses. And one of the key things that this organization has been able to do is to provide um, model policy at a local, state, and federal level. What they did was bring together different stakeholders of the industry, and we all sat down in rooms for three days and typed these recommendations and through that we created templates now these templates are available to city states and federal um, politicians that can help create a more equitable industry 
Hmm. I mean, I love what you're saying about a more equitable industry because the reality yeah. is it, it goes back to actually what you were saying about your friends that influence your engagement in this business. But black and brown people have in our history been overwhelmingly incarcerated for nonviolent drug offenses. There are still so many that are incarcerated today. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a really hard juxtaposition to, to, to deal with is the reality that we see this booming business and at the same time there's still so many people that are locked up um going back to like the drug war for like the three strike rule and Mm -hmm. things along those lines and i'm just you know wondering how can we start to reconcile this disparity how can the criminal justice system and the corporate system start to work hand in hand so that we can just do right by individuals who the system has hurt. And now you got people like former speaker, John Boehner, who is on a board for some cannabis business. And he's a Republican yeah. who, you know, was like talking about how it was the devil's drug, maybe 10, 15 right. years ago. Not the and now he's lining his pockets. Exactly. Mm. So I know that that's got to like get you going because <laughs> it gets me. I, yeah. I, it's not a, it's not a cannabis problem. It's a wealthy corporate versus working people problem. That problem mm. exists off, off the, across the board, right? Um, so, it, you know, just being in LA has really motivated that part of me as well to become something bigger, it, part of something bigger. Um, the city of LA or LA County I want to say Angelinos did a really good job in 2020 and helping dismantle a lot of the hurtful policies within LA County. We got um, uh, Lacey out of office. Um, we have uh, the men's jail who has been closed down. I mean, this is all work of community members. And cannabis was just one part of that. Like. Angelinos and Latinos and, and Black and, and other minorities aren't just being targeted because of cannabis. This is a school-to-prison pipeline. Um, mm. So it, it, it's a lot of work. I think that finding like-minded individuals that see these types of needs and, and building coalition and showing up for each other. I mean, when, when the homegirl... Eunice's, if, if you guys know Eunice, she's very active in LA. When she posts like pull up, you pull up. Yeah. And you you be a voice for her, right? And you call all the homies to, to show up as well because this is something that continues to hurt our neighborhood. And I think that I I, I took a step back and I, I, I look at how economically um resilient. Los Angeles and the state of California is. And the money's there, like $3 billion to the LAPD department. Like that's billion dollars. Like I didn't even know that a department could run off $3 billion. What are you spending your money on? Mm. Right? Like question those things, question what's going on. Part of my job is to sit in front of city council and listen to these meetings. Um, When I started 
advocating uh, locally in the city of LA. I used to show up to city council meetings all day long because I had to wait for a cannabis item to come up. And sometimes that meant like six hour days just sitting there. And I got to hear all of it. And prior to that, I don't think I would have had that kind of exposure of our local politics like I do now. Like I learned about the LA Street Vendor campaign. I know I learned about all the work that Unisys was doing to decriminalize a lot of things and to provide um, streamlined expungement, right? Like we believe as citizens, these things are difficult, but no, this is what they should, like they, city council or our elected officials should be doing. Yeah. And I mean, and that's great that you say that because I feel like there's so much, we're expecting obviously so much from the federal government, from this new administration, right? When it comes to like legalizing drugs, when it comes to like racial disparities, uh, when it comes to like that number, those awful numbers that we see of young black and brown uh, kids in jail for these ridiculous reasons. Um, but it's also too, like it has a lot to do with like local governments, right? Like the local officials, local legislation, local policies that at the end of the day have much more power when it comes to these changes that we want to see. Um, you know, you mentioned LA, uh, LA being like LA County being such a interesting place in terms of the industry, but what makes, what make, what makes LA so profitable? What makes LA like a prime place? for the industry and is what's what's the future of cannabis in LA? Yeah, particularly when it comes to like black and brown owners, like are, how many would you say are the applicants that are going through mm. that process? And then are, are, I guess their applicants, applications are going through and getting approved. Like, I'm really curious if like, right. we see that LA is so profitable and growing, but like, is that actually benefiting black and brown communities? Right. Or is it hurting? Mm. Yeah, LA just the size. We are the largest um, adult use market in the world right now, right? We can't count a federal market because it doesn't exist. Um, we Would have you say to beyond the Amsterdam? Yeah, absolutely. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah, LA's hype. California's hype. Like we are a <laughs> high producing, uh, revenue producing state already. So that's why business is just attractive in California, right? Um, the legalization landscape in um, greater LA. LA has 88 cities with 88 cities within LA County. City of LA is one of those. Each city, each each of those 88 cities has the authority to ban or commercialize cannabis. And that commercialization means they give out licenses for businesses, right? Right now, um, a lot of cities within LA County are banned. You cannot commercialize. However, that doesn't mean that as a consumer, if you live, if, for example, in the city of Santa Fe, who, who is banned, if you live in Santa Fe, you can still consume as a resident. You just can't own a business in the cannabis space within those city limits, right? If you live in, in that city and you wanna go to Linwood who does um, issue permits, then perfectly fine. So early stages of um, cannabis legalization, there wasn't much uh, black and brown owners. Um, 
in the industry in general, um, in 2021, that's very different. There is a lot of black and brown owned businesses. Um, I think that when, when we look at business development in the industry and we see these big corporations that, that pop up, these corporations come up with millions of dollars in backing and can throw in the money necessary to get open tomorrow. Small businesses, not so much. So there's a lot of um, small business owners that have been in the application pipeline for over a year. And this is Damn. normal. This is normal cannabis procedure timelines. Exactly. Yeah. So in that year, you have to pay rent. If you have any employees on staff, like high level execs, or you have uh, attorneys, an architect, constructions, that those bills still need to be paid. And it takes you a, a year to get through the application process to get to the operational point. So I think in my experience, there's a lot, I know a lot of black and brown businesses that are coming up. I constantly get phone calls from a friend of a friend that is local to LA and they want to get in. And I'm super excited to take those calls because it, it means more people that I get to work with, more people that get our culture. Um, right. I, I think that LA has that hustle um, culture. And it's getting integrated into the cannabis industry for sure. Yeah. What, what do you tell someone um, that is curious about it, that is curious about the industry, that wants to invest, that wants to, uh, get, you know, just learn about it, um, to get into the space? What's your advice for them? I always ask them, what do they do? Um, I get a lot of which one's the best license for me to get or is cultivation what I should be doing? And I, I always tell them what I ask them, what do you do? What is it that you already do that you can integrate your skill set into the cannabis industry? If you don't know how to grow cilantro or tomate or tomatoes, you don't, I don't know how to grow cannabis. I should yeah. not be cultivating anything, right? Like, but I know business and I know how to create distribution channels and strategies. And that's, that's what I do. Right. Um, yeah. If you are a, um, an accountant service, the cannabis industry, there's a lot of learning that has to go within what you already do, but, and transitioning into the cannabis industry because it is complicated and convoluted, but we have everything available via websites and everything's digital now. So any information that a person needs is available at our government websites. You have to read, you have to sit down and read them and understand what the rules of the game are so you understand how to play. Mm. Yeah, I, I like the, this idea of taking the skills that you know and then applying it. Yeah. I have none of those. So for <laughs> me right now where I'm staying is I've been like looking in the stock market. That's the place where I'm like, okay, I know that something's happening and going to happen. And today, um, well, now we have a new administration and I get the sense that you're very excited. There's something about like the space of cannabis that you're very excited about. And I, I think it, it goes in um, opposition to my sentiment of like, 
oh yeah the cannabis business is growing but like all these people that are like locked up and like this we're not doing right by racial justice and social justice but mm-hmm. there's still this like smile and smirk on your face almost like you're like it's gonna get better and I just want to know about that hope that you have for the cannabis mm-hmm. industry um you know the 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 federal legalization I'm not really interested in it right now I don't Ooh. think we're ready like I, wow. I, I am not in a rush. I don't, I'm not ready to go federal. Neither is the federal government to take me on as a business. There's people still in jail. Um, expungement could be automatic. Like there's algorithms that you can, that a, a local or state government can implement to allow people to transition out of jail. Like, let's do that first. Wow. Let's get that going. Um, I'm excited because Alex Padilla got sworn in today as the first Latino um, senator Senator in California. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for that because we have representation now. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of things we need to fix at a federal level. Um, The MORE Act passed um, the House of Representatives last year, right before the end of uh, session. And it came with a lot of bad language and a lot of good language right there's a lot of good in it but there's a few uh, you gotta read the fine print Mm. and that needs to be that needs to be fixed right and one of the things that i heard a lot in the previous administration was no this is a bipartisan bill we have to both come to an agreement and i'm like but you're not looking at the latino lens like there's just so many things that we have to take into account and now we can go have that conversation alex padilla has always been very progressive in cannabis um regulation and supportive and i feel like he he's going to take these matters and and be able to make the changes that we need before we get to that federal level yeah i love that i love that yeah i think we're all like expecting so much so much from him and hopefully he he delivers in the time that he has and just the entire administration in support for our communities. But, um, you know, I, I, I still feel like I'm, I'm barely kind of, you know, learning about this, about, about the industry. Like Jess says, like, I'm interested too, like in stocks and like the future of it in community. But for you, Jazzy, that you've been involved and been, you know, not only like when you started as a consumer and then became part of uh, a business concept, what are those misconceptions? What are those questions you get? How do you explain to people also um, what it is that the product that you work with? Um, It's not a cash cow. Not yet. I mean, it's going to take time like any other business. I believe like there's this misconception that it's, you open up a dispensary like you're going to become an overnight millionaire and it's still a it's still a business it's still a a startup it's there's over regulation that prohibits you from that growth um also one of the things that that i try to shy away from is looking at the stock market and looking at these these companies that are public because i'm not on the route i'm not a public company i'm a private small company Mm -hmm. and if i look at those numbers and and here's a a thing that also affects me is that these companies are mostly ran by white 
older men. Oh, yeah. By definition, yeah. if I compare myself to this white white male owned company, I come way below that in evaluation simply because I'm a Latina woman. Right. Yep. So I'm mm -hmm. not even going right. to go down that route. I'm in my, my own business and I'm going to keep pushing forward and understand, remind myself that there is a lane for small business and I'm doing great in my life. Mm, I love that. I love that. Well, I will yes. say all of your knowledge around the, the business is impressive. I love the fact that you can like start talking about, well, this bill is currently here and this is what I we know. Do. Like you come in with all the yeah. facts. Yes. Before we let you go, I want to know, is there one thing right now in your world, it can be cannabis related or not, that you're absolutely obsessed with? Um, man, right now, definitely getting out for a walk at the beach, right? Mm. Like during this time, mm. I work long hours and I look forward to either my sunset walk or my sunrise walk. And that's just where I get to be by myself. And I love that. Love um, it. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Jazzy, again, for joining us. We wish you continued success in all that you're doing and the um, way that you're going to continue to break down barriers in this industry. Yeah, thank you so sure. much, Lee. Same to you. It was a pleasure being here and getting to, to meet you. Thanks, Bo. Awesome. Likewise. <laughs> Take care. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you once again to Jasmine Aguiar for, for joining us and also for teaching us so much and taking us through her life, her journey, and how she's continuing to change um, the narrative around cannabis, the space, the industry, and not just in LA, but in other parts of the country. We thank her for her work. And like always, we thank you for stopping by, for subscribing, for leaving us all those reviews and rating us. We ask if you can, and if you like an episode, to share it with a friend, share it with a family member. Um, if there's something that struck struck you something that you liked something that you it res something that resonated with you uh we would love to hear from from more people so we can have more voices on the podcast so yeah make sure you subscribe you rate you review us on apple Podcasts. that helps us out so much and of course you know wherever you listen to your podcast there's more of weight hold up on spotify and uh, lots of surprises that we have planning for you. Make sure to check us out on all our social, on Instagram, on Twitter. We also have a very cool new webpage where you can also get some uh, discounts to some of our favorite products. So we invite you to check it out as well. Like always, mucho amor, mucho cariño para todos ustedes. We love you and we thank you and we'll see you next week.